This week's episode contains binaural recordings. Listen with headphones if you can. Sounds curious. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome back to Sounds Curious, the podcast for the adventurous listener. As you can hear already, we're switching it up a bit this week. In the first few episodes of the podcast, we've been talking a lot about music and media and contemporary classical composition. This week, we are going to start a series of episodes in which we engage with an umbrella topic that we have called sonic cartography. Now, the concept was introduced a while back in the interview with George Reed. The idea of mapping things sonically. Now, we use sound installation uh, often drawn from field recording sources. So we're going to begin the topic of sonic cartography looking at virtual maps online and the way artists and field recording artists are populating virtual maps with sound materials. Sometimes it's really simple field recordings made along the roadside, very casual circumstances. Other times, it's sound artists and composers creating pieces that go with geomapped signals like AcousticCamera.org and a few others that we'll look at. In coming weeks, we're going to really take on this idea of field recordings, environmental recordings, nature recordings. Every single one of these has its ties to a particular discipline or genre or practice. And each one of them has different givens, if you will. They assume different things. Now, we mention field recordings as one of our main areas of interest here. And as you can hear in the background, I grabbed this field recording from a place that I mentioned much earlier in the podcast. I was talking about cisterns and natural reverberation. So I found this field recording that was actually done in this particular cistern under the streets of Istanbul. We're going to be dealing a lot with field recordings and environmental recordings and ambience recordings made in the country of Turkey, uh, close to Izmir, as well as Istanbul. I chose those because that is a particular area and those are two cities that I've been lucky enough to travel to and 
get the inside scoop because I was traveling with native Turks and we were visiting places that were really important to them. And I was immediately struck in this cistern how, yeah, it's under the street, so it's pretty oddly lit. Obviously, it's going to be dark 24-7. But I was struck by how magical the environment became based on the sound. In fact, when I first entered this space, I couldn't speak for a while. I was processing so much audio information at once that I honestly couldn't move or even try and look. Um, And you can hear how crowded this space is, so uh, that was presenting a problem for many of my fellow tourists. But when I went back and listened to this recording, I also began to hear the remarkable number of languages and interactions that were happening around me. There were tours being conducted in every language and it was an overwhelming experience. It pointed to spaces that were even bigger than itself. Um, Countries and cities and the people who were there brought the world into that space. Now, granted, the the problem with the recording is that they play music through loudspeakers in that thing, and everyone who uploads a field recording from this particular cistern remarks about not being able to get rid of background music. But that actually brings up some interesting topics that we're going to cover in the next few weeks. The first one is... So, what is a field recording? Now, different disciplines, different uh, types of researchers, different kinds of artists all throw around the term field recording as if it were a very specific thing. It's not. For folks who come from the discipline of ethnomusicology, now that is musicology based on ethnography, so anthropological approaches to documenting musical practices. That's a bit different from the field of musicology, which is much more correlated into either critically analyzing or historically analyzing primary documents in Western music. But obviously both terms are broad enough to cover a multitude of practices. So from the ethnomusicological standpoint, a field recording is designed to capture the musical practice of people. Other folks view field recording as recordings made in natural environments to capture natural sounds and ambience. So even in that particular definition, we have all sorts of preferences built into the what we record, how we record it, what we deem worthy of capturing when we press record and when we press stop. You know, we are controlling 
the environment much more than would be implied by the idea of field recording, which would be to try and directly capture something, an environment or a soundscape. So into this mix of ethnomusicology, field recordings, documenting musical practices of humans in the world, and the field recording definition as an environmental or nature recording. Then we have creative field recordings. We have um, sound art that relies on these environmental recordings. And within each of these disciplines, the very definition of what constitutes a field recording is completely different. And now we've moved from underneath the streets of Istanbul to the park in the Sultanahmet neighborhood. It's next to the Blue Mosque. And we're standing in the middle of a rainstorm. And the reason that we feel like we're there, especially if we're listening with headphones, is because the field recording artist here used a binaural microphone to capture not just the sound, but also the movement. And what I was delighted about was what's about to happen. My first night in Istanbul, hearing the first call to prayer in an old neighborhood. You hear it reverberate around the city from all different directions. And I remember thinking that night, if I wanted to explain or to, to communicate what this experience was like, how on earth would I do that? Because it's a sound and a place all wrapped into one. And binaural microphones really help us convey the sense of place in our field recordings now. So spending the next few episodes looking at field recordings is an opportunity for us to challenge some of the received wisdom about them and to just revel in listening. So if you have headphones, put them on now so you can listen to the next bit of this particular field recording and we'll pick it up at the other side.
So I love the way that the call to prayer fades into the background there and we once again hear the voices of people just moving around in the square. Now the reason that I chose to play so much of this field recording and I want to thank the artist for uploading it to apore.org that's A-P-O-R-E-E dot org and they're called Radio Apore and they allow you to upload a field recording that you've made and sync it to a place on Google Maps so that other people can interact with your work geographically. Now the reason that I chose the call to prayer was because on the one hand that was such a sonically rich experience for me the first time I was in Istanbul and it had a profound impact on my time there. Everywhere I went in the country of Turkey, the many times I visited um, even if I was staying in a tiny little village, there was always a mosque with a loudspeaker. There was always a muezzin five times a day doing the call to prayer. And so it became a part of my sonic landscape. But it gets to the heart of a lot of issues that the title or the genre field recording automatically present. Now, first and foremost, there's all the decisions that the artist made. And again, we'll link to the artist specifically in the show notes and on Radio Appery, um, and the show notes can be found, of course, at www.banshimedia.com. But it at once captured the landscape that was so immediately present to me, his choice to use a binaural microphone and to actually move throughout the space during the recording. You can tell the artist is moving around because our location for the very loud call to prayer keeps changing. So when you're listening with headphones, it kind of moves around your head, which is really interesting in and of itself. Secondly, the field recording immediately presents a challenge to uh, those who are trying to critically engage with the musical practices, AKA a field recording in the ethnomusicological sense, because the call to prayer, those vocalizations that you heard, to Western ears sound like music. And if you're not inside the culture, you might not know that that's very strictly prohibited. All those vocalizations are recitations. They are readings. Now, yes, to me, it sounds like they're singing. And every single one, every single time you hear a recitation through the loudspeaker like that in the call to prayer, you better believe they're adding their own personal flavor to it in what I can only describe it as as a musical sense. But as a scholar, I can't view it that way. I can't really control how I hear it. But unless it's within the context of ethnomusicology, calling that a field recording, documenting a culture's musical practice is a no-no. It's not considered music within the culture. So if I was going to go study Turkish music, I wouldn't study that. I would study the music that is considered music by the Turks. So immediately, the point of an ethnographic field recording and a field recording designed to try and communicate one artist's sonic presence within a space choosing a binaural microphone, choosing to move around, choosing to press record, oh, several minutes before the call to prayer was due to start up, 
and then choosing to wait almost a minute after it stops are very creative decisions. They frame that particular sonic experience again in a very artistic way. So the artist's intent here, we can never know, of course. Uh, we can only know the product by its own characteristics. So when I see a field recording like this that provides context for a sonic experience within a culture, so for instance, my time in that culture was marked by the sound of the call to prayer five times a day because I wasn't used to it growing up in the United States. And it was one of the most immediate and I have to say um, powerful. Um, I found it beautiful and perhaps it is uh, not culturally sensitive to say that I listen to it as music, but it just sounded like the blues to me. I, and that's a compliment um, for obvious reasons. But nonetheless, this recording of the call to prayer as experienced through a day in the park outside of a major mosque in an old area of Istanbul foregrounds a whole lot of issues in the world of field recording. And so um, while obviously we can never control how our recordings are heard, we can certainly control how we contextualize them. So I offered that particular field recording as a way to illuminate some of the things that you can hear on apari.org. And if you go to apari.org forward slash maps forward slash maps, you can interact with the satellite view of the Earth, honing in on sounds that have been uploaded in a particular area. And even better, you can submit your own. You'll notice that each of the rec field recordings has technical notes on what kind of microphones were used, what kind of device. All of these things mark them immediately, uh, appearing on radioapparee.org as attempts to capture the mundane or the quotidian, which is a little bit less judgmental than the mundane. By mundane, I simply mean the daily. So this is a site in which we map our audio universe. It's a place where we can go put our ears for a while into another context so we can be sitting at work listening to a cafe in a small village we can be sitting at work listening to someone else walk down a street in a foreign city. We can imagine ourselves there. And obviously I see this definition of field recording as much different from the ethnography or the ethnographic version. I'm going to play some ethnographic versions later and we're going to go into some other sites and some ethnomusicological resources on the web in later episodes. But for now, I'm distinguishing the sonic geography from ethnography. So this is material that each one of us can participate in and we can share our own sonic landscape and upload it into the map on apari.org and we can participate in this global um, sonification of our audio landscapes.
first and foremost now we've moved from Istanbul a little bit west and uh, a bit north and we're now in Slovenia and I chose this recording because the artist here who has uploaded this sound walk has chosen to do so as a sano poetic piece so taking the idea of a field recording as a kind of realistic representation of nature and turning it on its head in a lot of interesting ways. Firstly, by letting her earrings touch the microphones, which I can only assume are on her ears. And then there's the decision to very obviously and purposefully put walking, the sound of human movement into this recording. And then it highlights too how hard it is now to create realistic sonic depictions of nature, if you will, that there always seems to be a plane flying overhead or a car driving in the distance or the sounds of other people. And so instead of trying to eliminate those, quietly record nature, this artist put their physical presence into a geographic space right at the front of the recording and invites us not just to contemplate what a field recording is, but also the fact that the human human choices, human curation of nature in field recordings is never very far from the surface. Some artists decide to try and eliminate the sounds of the human and others throw them foreground. Others increase them by interfering with the microphones and moving in a space. So we have something that's filtered through an individual. We have something that is a representation, but at the back of it always is a human artist, a human recordist, a human uploader, and a human sharer. And so in this way, Radio Appery is a kind of new field recording. It's a way of interacting both artistically and passively in a way. We're always making the choices about when we record and how we record and what we record, what we think is worthy of recording and what we don't. So that's always gonna be there. But in this episode, we contemplate the ways in which the human artist interacts in this sonic cartography in extremely creative ways. In future episodes, we're going to tackle issues with trying to realistically represent nature in environmental recordings, the various ways they get edited to give us a kind of, to give us a very narrative view of how nature sounds, even just by, for instance, isolating animal sounds in 
field recordings in specific ecological environments because certain animals are considered more important than others. And so a lot of environmental recordings have a ton of editing. If you will, it's almost the reality television of field recordings when we edit and master and post-produce a lot of these environmental recordings that are somehow received as if they are quote-unquote realistic. So in future episodes, we're also going to challenge the notion of authenticity or realistic interpretation. We're also going to look at the ways artists have embraced the new virtual cartography of digital culture and are using that to resonify our landscapes, whether it be mapping urban environments sonically or creating individual portraits of a particular place over seasons, over times of day, um, over time in essence. So in coming episodes, we're going to be looking at the ways in which humans are mirroring back their sonic landscapes and the ways that we subtly inflect ourselves on them, the way that our traces are unmistakable and the ways in which we shape the very landscapes we may be attempting to preserve or to communicate. So we hope you join us for the next episode. In the meantime, enjoy your sonic world. It's a big one and it's only getting bigger. We'll see you next time.